0: (laughs) That song brought to you by Christian Phil Collins. Uh, We continue our series today in 1 John, looking at certainty of faith. I've titled today Man in the Mirror, but rather than seeing your reflection, the person looking back at you is Jesus. And so, you know, we talked about this reoccurring theme in 1 John between darkness and light. And today we look at a Christological test. The answer, that, that answers for us, whether or not we are truly sons and daughters of the living God. Now, if you've ever thought to yourself, I think I'm a Christian, but I don't know, or maybe you struggle a little bit in the area of faith, today is the day for you, because we're going to hopefully answer that question for you by performing a Christological test. And a Christological test is viewing yourself in light of who Jesus is, in light of Jesus' actions, in light of, of the way that Jesus led his life to look for similarities and not just similarities between you and, de- and Jesus, but also how you differ from your previous darkness, right? So when we come into a relationship with Jesus, it should move us from darkness to light. And so we're going to take a look at first John today. We're going to be, we're going to start at the very last verse of chapter two, which is verse 29, and we're going to go all the way to verse 310. And this is what it says. I'm going to read through it all and then we'll kind of go and break it down. It says if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. I, is this correct? <laughs> I, this is not the way you want to start, but there has been something wrong with my copy and paste. So I apologize, but I'm going to read it from my phone just to be sure. All right. Sorry, guys. It doesn't seem right to me. Something seems wrong. Okay. First John 29 through 310 again says, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. This is ESV. So it'll be a little different than what's up there. See what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous and as he is righteous. He meaning Jesus. Verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Okay, now that that kerfuffle is over, I don't know if I use that word correctly either. I've heard it once, so I thought I'd throw it in there. Uh, Technology, blessing and a curse never happens with an old school paper bible i guess unless the publisher somehow printed that wrong so i guess it could but what we see in first john chapter 2 verse 29 is the first occurrence in the book of first john of rebirth it's not a new idea but it's the first time we see it in the letter of john and it's the first time that this idea in john is tied to righteousness in order to be righteous we must be reborn A Christian has undergone the process of being birthed in Christ. And as a result, there is a new righteousness in them. Okay, so there's a new righteousness in them. And so when we look at this first step of the Christological test, as we're reflecting in Christ and we're also reflecting over ourselves, the question that we have to ask is, since I started my relationship with Christ, have I changed for the better? Have I changed for the better? And have others seen change in me? So when you're asking this question to yourself, have you changed for the better? Have others seen change in you? Have you sought to be better because of the existence of God? If you have sought to be better because of the existence of God, you might be a Christian. Might be a Christian. This is first part of the test. Proof of your kinship as this passage tells us, your kinship to God, proof that you're part of that family of God, is righteous living. And it's important that we understand it's not just kindness and goodness. It's not doing good things. It's not being kind to others. This is talking about a righteousness that only comes from being entwined with God, right? This righteousness is an otherworldly level. It's being made pure. It's changing Because of the relationship that you have with Christ the Son and through Christ the Son, God the Father. And then John goes into chapter 3, verse 1. And in that verse, he's inviting all of us to contemplate how we are loved. How lavish is the Father's love that you and I would be called children of God. Now, this isn't a gift. Okay? This isn't a gift. This is... In fact, love in its purest form. We have the privilege of being called children of Christ. You, ladies, are a daughter of Christ, if you have put your faith in him. You, gentlemen, are sons of Christ. Sons of God, I should say. Brothers of Christ. Sons and daughters of God. Right? And that's made possible through our relationship with Christ. And we should be excited about it. We should be excited about it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm proud... Very proud to be the son of Robin Huff and Amir Hussein. Very proud to be the son of my parents. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Were there times when I was younger when they were crazy? Absolutely. Were there times when I was younger where I was the reason that they were crazy? You betcha, right? They have flaws just like everyone else. But at the end of the day, There is a love that I have received from my parents, like a love that I have received from no one else until I came into a relationship with God. The love of your mother and father should reflect the love of the father. And I can see as I've gotten older, the ties between those relationships. I am proud to be their son and we should be proud to be the sons and daughters of Christ. You know, 3-1 in a lot of manuscripts, and it didn't in the ESV, and I'll explain why, but verse 3, chapter 1, ends with the words, and that is what we are. So the verse goes on to say, what love the Father has lavished on us that we have been made sons and daughters of Christ, and that is what we are. You see that statement right there? You see it in the NIV? If you ever look at, there's a little note, a lot of times at the bottom of the chapter, and it will tell you, a lot of manuscripts have left this out. Because it's not actually the words of John. It's a note of the scribe. So the scribe who's writing down John's word is listening to John as he's writing out this passage. And after this statement, he adds his own note. That is what we are. He is pumped. He is fired up. Now, the majority of manuscripts... Do omit these words, but I wish that they wouldn't. I wish that they wouldn't because it shows a man who understands what it means to be called a son of God. And the excitement that he feels surrounding that calling, right? Surrounding that naming that he is a child of God. He couldn't contain his excitement and he add he had to, to, to add a written fist pump. And that I just see him, that is what we are. And he like, yeah. And John's like, what are you doing? I'm talking, keep writing, right? But, but this scribe, he understood the assignment. He understood the excitement that, that had to be a part of this declaration from John. You and I get to be children of God. And whether you understand that or not, that equates us to Jesus. And that's only possible because of the love of God and the love of Christ the Son. And then, at the second half of verse 1, we're hit with another part of the Christological test. It says that the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. How do we apply that to ourselves? Well, I'll explain the world. When we undergo change because of what Christ has done in our life, the world should not recognize the new you. I want you to think back to a time in your life when things started to turn for you, when your relationship with God became real for you. I want you to think about the difference that people recognized in you. Think about some of your friends who were Christians maybe before you were, and the difference that you saw in them, right? The world should see something different in the way you live your life. When I first kind of really, really committed my life to God, and I made it clear to all my friends that I was going to be uh, become a pastor and that things were going to have to change from the way that I was living my life, I had a lot of people say, that's good. We see the change in you. We just don't think it's going to last, Right? We just don't think it's going to last. You say you're done with this stuff. We'll see you in a couple weekends, right? But there has to be change in us. And that's part of it. Will the world recognize the new you? Or are you the same old person that you were before your relationship with Christ? See, the world has no regard for God. No regard for God. Those that aren't Christians... The majority of the time are not Christians because they either have not heard about God or Jesus or they have heard and they just don't believe that he exists. So they have no regard for God. And because of that, they will not recognize us as sons and daughters of Christ. And John wanted the believers that he was writing to to understand that. While we are calling you to live a different life, the people that are surrounding you in your community, they will not recognize you as sons and daughters of Christ. They will not understand why you're choosing to live the way that you are choosing to live your life. But understand that the father's love makes it so. And just because the world does not recognize you does not mean that that is not the case. In fact, on the flip side, it probably makes it more likely to be so more likely to be so because of the family ties established by Christ we have been made pure we have been made pure but as always john goes on to explain that there is a flip side there is a, another side of the coin first john chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 it says that everyone who sins breaks the law in fact sin is lawlessness But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Okay. So a lot of times we read passages like this. And we see it word for word, the way that it's written. And we say, well, this says that a believer never sins, never keeps on sinning. So that must mean I can't sin either. And if I sin, that means I'm not a believer, right? We expect perfection out of ourselves. We read these passages, we read these scriptures, and we think, if I don't perfectly match up with this, then somehow my faith is not real. Or somehow my relationship with Jesus doesn't exist. And I must not be a Christian. But you have to understand, you can't view these verses outside of the context in which they were written. And John was writing to a group of people for whose sin had become belittled, okay? Biblical sin to the audience that he was writing to was not seen anymore as sin. It was way watered down. Remember, we talked in the very first week about how he was battling Gnosticism, this idea that you obtain God through knowledge. You you obtain likeness to God by becoming more knowledgeable, but your body really was up for the grabs that that didn't matter. And so all sorts of sins were now being seen as acceptable. All sorts of sins were being, they were being told, Hey, it's okay. If you sin, you can still believe in God and still sin in this way, because it's not what you're doing with your body. It's what you're doing with your mind that really matters. And as long as you're obtaining that knowledge, you're okay. All right. So we have to see that we have to see this verse in that light. Because John is fighting the Antichrist who softened the view of sin for his audience. Okay? And what John is trying to really make clear, the reason that John comes in swinging so hard is because he has to take this new view that has completely been twisted and turned upside down and he has to kind of flip it back over. Right? for people to really understand that you are being taught. You are being taught that it's okay to water down sin and the repercussions of it. But I am here to tell you right now in this moment that that is not the case, that sin is lawlessness and that lawlessness separates you from God. And so you should not sin freely. When John says, that sin is actually lawlessness, a better translation, in my opinion, would have been wickedness. Wickedness. To sin is to do something that is wicked. And here's what John is really trying to get the people to understand. That no one who is a child of God sins freely. No one who is a child of God sins freely. What do I mean by that? If you feel conviction when you sin, if you are not nonchalant about sin. That is a sign that your faith is real. When you recognize that I screwed up and me screwing up is wrong and that I need to repent of this sin, that I need to seek forgiveness for this sin. That is a very real sign that you have a relationship with God. And the only thing I can always take it back to is King David. Remember King David, Okay? He saw Bathsheba bathing on top of a roof. Why that's taking place on top of a roof, I don't know. But he sees this woman. He thinks to himself, golly gee, she is gorgeous. I think I want her. And then he realizes, oh no, she's married. So what does he do? He sends her husband to the front lines of battle. Husband gets killed and he takes her as his own. Right? A massive sin. He murdered to commit adultery. It doesn't get much worse than that. It's after that point. This is the part of the Bible that always blows me away. It's after that point that David is called a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he recognized his sin. He repented of his sin. And he turned away from that sin in favor of forgiveness from God. Now, does that mean that he didn't have some punishment and some consequences? No, it did not. Okay. We're old Testament here. Jesus, not quite around yet in the flesh with the father still in heaven. So understand that you can be a believer of God and sin. I feel like that's a really important message for us to understand. However, you cannot be a believer. And sin freely. You cannot be a believer and sin without a care. So if you're walking around on a daily basis, sinning right and left, you don't feel bad about it. I think you should probably question your relationship with the Christ. However, if you're human, which newsflash, we all are. And you struggle with sin from time to time. And you still find yourself going through those different battles. That does not make you not a child of God. That does not make you a non believer. Then he goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is righteous, just as the one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You see, John draws a firm line in the sand. There are the ones who strive for righteousness and in so doing strive for Christ. And then there are those who sin without regard for righteousness and who accomplish it through Satan. So we are striving for righteousness in God or we are living wickedly and we are accomplishing that through Satan's power. Those who pass the Christological test. I think this is important. I'm going to go back and read seven before I say this. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Those who pass the Christological test are influencers. They aren't influenced. Those who pass the Christological test are influencers. They are not influenced. Remember, Christ lived in this world. He was specifically tempted by Satan before he ever started his ministry. He walked the walk and talked the talk and lived every day amongst sinful people. And yet he was the influencer and not the influence. Now, you are not Christ. If you think that, we should talk after. But you are not Jesus. You are not the son, the specific son of God. And so there will be times where you find yourself being influenced. A sign that you are passing the Christological test is being able to recognize that influence and then doing away with that influence of saying, this is affecting me negatively, so I'm going to put it beside me. Right. I'm going to put it behind me. I'm not going to partake in this anymore. I'm going to put up a barrier between myself and this, and I'm going to strive to no longer live in that way. That is what John is seeking. And John leaves no doubt. And it's important that sin in all forms, in all facets. From the littlest of white lies to the very darkest of deeds is satanic in nature and it separates us from God and to sin and to sin is to participate in the character of Satan. We're almost done. We're almost done. And John, after making that clear has a huge, but that he throws out there. But those of you that choose Christ choose righteousness and it's very clear that if the seed of God is in you, righteousness will bloom and thrive in your life. That's why John says in verse nine, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. And I keep going back to the same sentiment sentiment that we find in scripture. You will be known and you will know others by the fruit of God you and they bear what comes of your life and what flows out of your being is the greatest testimony to whether or not you are a daughter or son of Christ. You are not called to perfection, but you are called to strive for perfection. You are called to strive For Jesus. Growl it out, sister. (laughs) Amen. This is how we know. This is verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. The choice is yours. The choice is absolutely yours. How will you be known as a son and daughter of the living King or as a son and daughter of the darkness that is Satan? Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to come and to dive into your word. And Lord, I pray that today spoke to, uh, Everyone here, like it spoke to me, I know that personally I struggle at times with being a perfectionist. I struggle with being a Christian and still uh, being tempted by things of this world. And I feel so guilty about it and I beat myself up about it. And uh, I'm just not very nice to myself. I definitely don't love myself. But in those times, Father, you love me. You love me. I would pray that you would give us the confidence that we should have. In our faith, because we are sons and daughters of you, and because we have been made so by Christ's sacrifice on a cross, Father, give us confidence in who Christ is. Give us confidence in who you are. Give us confidence in in what you say about us in scripture, that we are loved, that we are important, and that forgiveness can be had. Help us to learn how to forgive ourselves. And at the end of the day, God, help us to be real and honest with ourselves, to, to to look at our lives and see areas where you have made an impact, where you have changed us, where you have made us better. And God, some of those areas that we are still letting Satan hold on to, some of those areas that we need to get rid of, some of those things that we need to, to, to move beyond. Help us to, to reflect ourselves in you, to see all of those areas where there may be a little darkness in our light. At the end of the day, God, we rejoice because we can be seen as light and we can be called sons and daughters of God because of what Christ did for us on that cross. Father, I just pray that today you give each and every one of us here today, a, a spirit of thankfulness, a spirit of forgiveness, self-forgiveness, and that you would help us to, to show the world who the real Jesus is, and to show the world who God really is. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Guys, go ahead and stand with us. We're going to worship. If you need to pray with me, I will be here. Allie, will you be available? Allie will be over here to the left on the screen. I'm actually going to do something a little different today. I know I stand up here a lot. I'm going to go stand uh, back in the back underneath that screen. So if you need to come pray with me, come do so. If you want to talk to me about uh, salvation, if that's something you have questions about, absolutely come do that. Um, Otherwise, guys, just spend this time focusing on God and, and... reflecting on what it is he's done for you in your life.